Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing out there today? Nice. I will do anything for a dumb video like you just saw. So, Well, good morning. Welcome to Lex City. Uh, it's been said that life is not measured by time, but life is measured in moments. And when you look back on a year or a month or a week or a day or even an hour, you don't remember all the things, right? But you remember the moments that happen during those seasons. And so I think about my last week, think about your last week, think about the good things that happened in your week. You probably remember those moments. I, I remember playing golf with a buddy of mine, 19-year-old, much younger than me, way more athletic than me. And I remember beating him by 23 strokes on Monday. It was a great golf day for me. I'm not going to mention names, Robbie, he's down front right over here. And uh, I remember a good moment when my boys came home from Lex City Youth Camp and got to tell me what an incredible time they had and how God moved. And I can't wait to see how God uses that as a catalyst in our youth group. And I'm really excited about that. I think about good moments like when my daughter was starting a brand new level of gymnastics this last week and she was really anxious and nervous about her first practice with their new team and she came out. I picked her up from practice and she was totally pumped and it went so great and she was so relieved. And then we think about the sad moments of our week, right? And we remember those moments. I remember hearing about a teenage girl in Lexington this week um, that lost her life in a car accident. And then remembering that she was baptized right here on the stage in, in 2018. And we'll be doing the funeral here uh, on Tuesday. And you remember the good moments in your life and the, and the, and the sad moments, but you remember everything that happens, right? Because here's the deal, life is not always measured by time, it's often measured by moments. So we're going to take a look at a very powerful moment of obedience with one key thought. And the moment you hear it might be the moment God starts to do a work inside of you and the key thought is this, you have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. And some of you know because at one time you were prompted to do something or say something or give something and then you did that thing. You did that or you gave that or you said that. And then you look back at God and you're like, wow, I had no idea what things you set in motion because of that one thing that I did. Then we also look back in, in our memories, right, and we remember times when God prompted us to say something or do something or give something and we were like, I don't know, I don't have all the details. I don't know what's going on. This seems impossible. And so then we actually said no to God and we didn't obey. And then sometimes we had those moments of clarity, weeks or months later, where we look back and we go, I wonder what would have happened if I just would have said yes to God, if I just would have obeyed in that moment, what could God have done in my life and through me? But I missed the opportunity. So they were gonna, the title of this message today is When It's Hard to obey, when it's hard to obey, which everyone's like, that's every day, right? And so I encourage you, go to um, lexi.info, you can click on message notes, you can follow along, you can take your own notes, you can email those to yourself as well. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew today, we're going to be looking at chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 18. It says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, chances are pretty good. You probably heard the story of Mary, the, the Virgin Mary, right? Mary gets all the stage time. Mary gets all the sermons. Mary gets all the sermons, especially during Christmas season. But today I want to talk about Joseph. 
who is, uh, is one of the most important yet least talked about characters in all the Bible. One of the reasons he's not talked about a lot is because we just don't know a lot about him. And it, we, it appears that his life was cut short. It didn't, we don't know his whole entire life story, right? And so there's not a lot of sermons about it. Here's what we do know about Joseph, though. We know these things. That he was a carpenter. Some say that maybe he was even a stonemason. We know that he was a righteous and faithful man. We know he was a descendant of David. We obviously know he was Mary's husband. And we know that he was Jesus' earthly father. Outside of that, we don't know a lot about him. But we do know that one moment of obedience helped bring about a change that impacts all of us even today. So when we look at Joseph and we look at Scripture, we see a little bit of him early years of Jesus. The last time he's actually mentioned in the Bible is when Jesus was about 12. Then he kind of seems to disappear from the Bible. And so most scholars believe that he most likely died because they would have not likely divorced. And we would have heard about that, would have been mentioned. And then Jesus stayed home until about the age of 30. We think about it in our culture now, like if my kids are like, Dad, we want to live with you till you're worth 30, I'm going to be like, that's a hard pass for your mom and I, right? Like, you guys need to graduate from college and go on with your lives and do your own thing. You don't need to come back and live with us till you're 30. So when we think of 30-year-olds who live with their parents now, we think like in the basement, like just crushing video games, right? This is not Jesus' story, okay? Because if we, if we realize back then, it was actually tradition of the house, uh, if, you're, if your mom was a widow, that you actually stayed home and took care of her till about the age of 30. We also know that whenever Jesus was on the cross, he looked to the beloved John and he basically said, would you please take care of my mom, right? And so we believe she was a widow because he said that. In the context of our story, when we talk about people getting engaged today, you're usually like, at least 22 years old, maybe 23, maybe you're up to 30, whatever, whatever the age is for we would kind of culturally think engagement happens. It's a little different back then. Most scholars believe that Mary was around 14 or 15 years old when they got engaged. And every, every dad was like, no way, not my daughter at that age, right? And she was a virgin who comes to him, comes to Joseph and says, surprise, I'm prego, right? And we hear this news knowing that that they had not, he had not been with her intimately yet, and so he would have been very devastated beyond measure, even more than you might think today, because if you understand the first century engagement culture in, in the Jewish times right then, when you got engaged, it wasn't just a proposal for the Instagram moment like ring before spring, right? It was more than that. The proposal was actually a legal agreement. When they were engaged back then, they were technically pretty much already married. They just weren't allowed to consummate the marriage until they had the actual ceremony. And so if Mary had sex with another man, this was a life-ruining scandal. Mary, the one that he loved with all of his heart, his future wife that would raise his kids, she had disobeyed God, she had totally dishonored his family, and she had disgraced Joseph, who would have been laughed at, mocked, and shamed in his own community. It was considered such a horrible sin that according to Deuteronomy chapter 22, Joseph could have legally had her stoned to death. It wasn't common, but it was legal. More commonly, Joseph would have been embarrassed and ashamed because everyone would have assumed that Joseph was the one that got her pregnant. And traditionally, what he could have done was he could have brought her in front of the city council. They would have declared her guilty and it would have cleared his name. But unfortunately, after that would happen, a woman was in that place at that time. She was pretty much destined to give her body away to support herself. Most of the time, someone, would have shamed, someone shamed like that 
would have become a prostitute. So G- Joseph, knowing all this, was in a horrible place. The woman of his dreams had apparently betrayed him, gotten pregnant, as now his next actions would have ruined her life even more. When we go back to what do we know about Joseph? We know he was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her. He didn't want to shame her. And so he thought about breaking the engagement in our culture, divorcing her, divorcing her quietly. He didn't realize that as his low, at his lowest moment, it was about to become one of his holiest moments. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. And he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now before we get to in Scripture what Joseph did, I want to notice what he didn't do. The angel says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. What he didn't do was try to explain away the dream, right? Have you ever eaten like way past your bedtime? It's like midnight and you're like crushing Waffle House. Then you have some weird dreams afterwards. This is not what's happening here, right? He's not trying to explain it away. He didn't argue with God saying, wait a minute, you're asking me to put my name on the line, my reputation on the line to trust some dream. I'm not going to do that. He didn't negotiate with God. He didn't say, God, give me another sign. Like, drop some angels down with tattoos on them that says, I'm from God, stay with Mary, right? Like, he didn't do that either. He didn't fight back and ask God for more details. If I'm going to say yes, I need to know what's going to happen next and next and next, right? The angels said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Verse 24, here's what he did. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. If there was one statement that we'd like to be true of us as Christ followers, it would be that we did what God commanded us to do. We were obedient without understanding all the details to come. He proves this thought to us. Here's the thought. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. We don't have to know every single detail. We don't have to have everything ironed out. You don't need to know how it's going to end if God is there in the beginning. Because when you think about what he didn't know, he didn't hardly know anything at all. Think about the details that Joseph didn't know. He didn't know that nine months or so later, there would be a decree that they had to go to Bethlehem to get a census. And they were going to travel about 100 miles on horseback or on a donkey through winter storms. Ladies who've been pregnant, that last trimester, right? Think about how uncomfortable you are. Then think about throwing yourself onto a horse and traveling 100 miles through the cold. That's a grumpy pregnant lady right there, right? He didn't know that was going to happen when he said yes. Think about the fact that, that, that the baby would be born in a barn next to farm animals. And then that Herod would issue, de- issue a decree that all the boys under the age of two were going to be killed in the region. And they would go on the run. Imagine the weight of knowing that there are innocent boys being killed everywhere. Meanwhile, your baby is safe. And meanwhile, knowing they're being killed because of your baby. Imagine that. Imagine the weight of that. And Joseph had no idea the weight of raising the Son of God without knowing any details. He obeyed immediately. And this is how it will apply to us. 
at some point, and he's probably already done this for many of you all the time, God is going to speak through you, speak to you, I'm sorry, through his word, or God is going to prompt you by his spirit. He's going to lead you to do something without knowing all the details. You're going to be dating someone that maybe you know isn't God's best for your life, and you go to church, and you hear a message, and suddenly you realize you can't marry the right person if you're dating the wrong person right now. Then the Holy Spirit's going to give you this incredible breakup message. And you're going to be like, oh, God, I don't know. Like, I've invested so much time in this relationship. And I can't let it go because then, well, what I'll be able to hold on to. And God will may prompt you to do something, and you have the choice to obey or not to obey. Maybe you're sitting here, and maybe God's been stirring within you to use your gifts to serve in the church, because we all just don't go to the church. We are the church. We all have gifts, and we're all important to the body of Christ, and we're all valuable. We need to use those gifts to impact those around us. And we don't, we don't just watch what happens in the kingdom of God. We are a part of what happens in the kingdom of God. And God prompts you to do something. And then you say, but God, I'm so busy. Like, God, I have so much social media to scroll today. I have so much TikTok to scroll. So many YouTube videos to watch. I don't really have time to be prompted to do things, God. Or you might be led to give something, to bless somebody or to bless your church. And you're saying, God, it's really, really tight right now financially. Everything's so expensive. Inflation's real. Interest is going up, stocks are going down, and God prompts you to give and to be a blessing. Or maybe in your life right now, maybe, maybe someone's betrayed you, and God's word begins to pierce your heart, that we are to forgive others as God has forgiven us, and we have a choice to make. And it may be hard, you may not know all the details, and God is prompting you, and you don't know what's going to happen. I want to encourage you to remember this. Obedience is our responsibility the outcome is God's. Well, we do what he leads us to do, and we trust him with the results. And this, in my opinion, is kind of the problem with today with what I would call cultural Christians. It's feed me, feed me, give me more, give me more, give me more knowledge. I need to know more knowledge. And what happens is our, our knowledge level is up here, and our obedience level is down here. And God's saying, you already know enough to obey. Just do what I've already told you to do. Obey. So we just obey God and we trust him with the results. Joseph didn't have the details and he did what the angel of the Lord told him to do. And the angel continued and says this. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you were to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Because that's why God sent him to us. This child within her, it was a miraculously holy birth conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And why does that matter as we read this? If this child had been conceived by an earthly father, conceived by the seed of Joseph, he would have the sinful seed nature that's passed on from person to person to person. But because he didn't inherit the sin nature of man, instead he inherited the spiritual nature of God, he was born without sin, could live a life without sin, so he could be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of grace. I need forgiveness. What's your sin? What's my sin, right? What's, what's your weight? What's heavy on you? What are you battling with right now? Is it lust? 
There's grace for that. Then battling with jealousy, he forgives your jealousy. His grace covers a multitude of sins. He was born of a virgin without sin so he could die so we could be forgiven of our sin. And the angel says, do not be afraid to take her as your wife. And he just obeys knowing that there will be significant cost to him. He's going to face serious opposition. And almost every time God prompts you, gives you a word, gives you a direction, he speaks to you through his word, he speaks to you by his spirit, almost every time you obey, you're going to be met with some form of spiritual opposition. When I think about my life, every time we've had to make a hard decision or a big decision, there's always been opposition. This is what's going to happen when God speaks to you to obey and you step away from the pack. Maybe God's led you to step away from the pack from the partying lifestyle that you're living right now. And people are going to make fun of you and they're going to reject you. And they're going to say a bunch of things, right? Maybe right now you're single and you're not married yet and you want to be. And right now you're saying, I know what, I've messed up physically with so many people. But, but today, God, I'm saying enough is enough. I'm going to start over today. And I'm going to be obedient in that area of my life. Because here's the deal. Typically obedience to God is going to be countercultural. What the world is telling you, what the people at your job are telling you, what the people at your school are telling you, it's going to be countercultural to the obedience of God. Maybe God's calling you in this time in your life to be just insanely generous. And you're saying, I'm already giving 10%. He's going, I want you to give 12 or 15%. I know people that literally give half of what they make to the church and to other nonprofits. And people are like, that's dumb. Like, what are you doing? They're like, I'm just being obedient to God. He prompted me. And then I moved, and that's what we're doing with our life. Or maybe God's calling you to be crazy and say, I want you to get out of debt. And so you start making all of these sacrifices so you can get out of debt. So that, and you do that because then you have create margin in your life. So when God says to do something, you have the financial margin to meet that need. But that takes obedience, and it takes hearing that prompting. I've heard it said, don't worry when you face opposition for your obedience to God. Worry when you don't. Because when you step out to obey God, you watch as there's opposition against you. Obedience will be difficult. It may even cost you in the early season, but you have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. The angel said, do not be afraid to take her as your wife. And Joseph did as the angel said, a moment because life is not measured just by time, it's measured by moments. I know for me, maybe you experience this too, it's easy to say yes in the moment as you hear a sermon or you're listening to a podcast, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna be obedient. And then you start thinking about it and you start processing it and you start delaying it. And I struggle with that. I struggle with delayed obedience, which is just a nice, pretty way to say disobedience. We have a dog. His name is Husker. He's a golden retriever. We love our dog. This is a picture of him right there. He loves his little dino. He carries around everywhere like it's a little stuffed animal, because I guess it is. And every time when he goes outside to our backyard, and he comes back in, and when you have to wipe his feet off, and he comes in the house, and I'm like, Husker, sit. And he looks at me like he's never heard the word sit in his entire life. He's like, sit. This is a new concept. And so then I say it louder. Husker, Sit. And he looks at me, and he's, I think he's mocking me, and he just starts sitting really slowly. Just creeping down, creeping down, and he finally sits, and I'm like, give me your paw. And his paw just goes, 
slowly up, right? And I know he's just mocking me, all right? But here's the deal. He knows what he needs to do. He knows how to obey. He is delaying his obedience. This is the one that I struggle with the most, personally. What causes a lot of people to miss hearing the voice of the Lord is we have developed this practice of delaying our obedience. And here are three things. The longer you wait to obey, three things happen. Number one, the less sure you are that you heard his voice. Like initially, we clearly hear from God. We know what he's asking us to do. Like God touched my heart and it was clear. But then we start overthinking it. By a show of hands, how many overthinkers do we have in the room today? Nice. Some of you were thinking about, should I raise my hand? And now you're overthinking about, oh, I shouldn't raise my hand. Now everyone's staring at me. Like, right? You're overthinking even this decision right now. So as we overthink it, right, then we begin to delay it. But God will speak to your heart. It says 300 times in the NIV, it says, and the Lord says. He will talk to your heart today just like he talked to people's hearts in biblical times. When we delay obedience, what happens is we start asking the question, I wonder if that really was God. When we heard it the first time, then we, a month later, we start polling our friends, right? Like, God wants me to do this. I know it's in his word, but like, do you think I should really do this? We throw it out on Instagram, like, here's a poll. What do you guys, should I obey or not to obey, right? We, we, we do that, right? God is like, you know what I told you to do. The second thing, the longer you wait to obey, the softer God's voice can get. The harder it is to hear because you're waiting. Because now instead instead of leaning in to hear him better, you're just unsure. And maybe you aren't buying it. And so you're struggling to develop that listening ear. And the third thing that happens, the longer you wait to obey, the harder obedience becomes. Because we've begun the process of rationalizing away both God's word or prompting to you. And then our reasoning takes over. I don't think that can actually happen. That seems impossible. That's the one I struggle with the most. I'm a very logical person. And so obeying the word of God or the voice of God, when it doesn't seem reasonable or logical, it's challenging for me. And we begin to talk in our heads in a way that kind of says we have zero faith. And God's going, yeah, obedience, it takes faith. You can't always do it on your own. You can't reason it away. Like I think of, of stories of, of my life where we had to make decisions and we had to obey. And I think about, uh, about five years ago when my wife and I knew it was just time for us to move on from Houston, Texas. We had lived there for almost 10 years. It was kind of the only place our kids knew. And we were interviewing at different places around the country and we had three opportunities that we were really considering. We were praying through. They were in three different states and three different parts of the country. And Lexington was obviously one of them. And honestly, like, out of the three, this was the the least logical choice for us. It was the least reasonable. I knew nothing about Kentucky besides that there were horses here. And I was like, oh, that's the state that, like, loves their bourbon, right? Like, I knew that. And obviously, I knew one of my best friends, Brian Clausen, and his wife, Tammy. I knew them. And so we were praying through it, and we were wrestling through it. And one day, we were, we were in Omaha, Nebraska, in my, in my hometown. We were staying with my parents after we just got done with the interview process. And I woke up that morning, and God was just prompting me, you need to go to Kentucky. And I was like, this doesn't make sense, Lord. 
Then I walked down to the basement of my, of my parents' house and I turned on the TV and I was watching SportsCenter. And I kid you not, in Omaha, Nebraska, a commercial for tourism came on and it was for Lexington, Kentucky. And it said, go do the Bourbon Trail, do this. And it was all this Lexington. And I was like, okay, God, you're really funny. I get it, all right? We'll obey. And then we called the next day and said, I guess we're coming to Lexington. And then I think about even more recently, uh, I, I, I drive Uber as a side hustle. Pastor Brian does it as well. We've always joked about having a podcast and calling it Confessions of an Uber Pastor. Because when you're driving Uber, you're kind of like a bartender or a counselor because people will tell you everything. Or they'll talk in the car like you don't exist and you just hear everything. Remember one night I was driving, it was, a, it was late at night and I was tired and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Uh, and, and I, I kind of heard God's prompting, like, no, take one more drive, one more ride. And I'm like, no. So I turned the app off, started driving home, and I was like, he prompted me again. I was like, okay. So I turned the app back on. And I'm like, God, what are we doing? I'm just going to pick up one more drunk person and get them home safely. Like, why, why me? So I pick up this guy from a bar. I'm driving him back to his house. And he begins telling me his story. He's like, I just went through a really messy divorce. I'm really struggling. He goes, I know I shouldn't be going to the bar every night to numb my pain, but that's what I'm doing because I don't know what else to do. And at some point in, on almost every Uber ride, there comes the point in the time where the rider says, so what do you do for a living? And it's either really cool or super awkward because I'm like, I'm a pastor. Like, oh, and then they apologize for those swear words and everything else. So, and then, so we get to that point, I say that, and he goes, oh, wow. And we just start talking. And start asking him questions, and we get to his house, and I turn the app off, and we stayed for another five or ten minutes, and we're just talking. And God prompted me, and I said, hey, I don't really ever do this, but um, can I pray for you? I said, Uber would definitely not let me do this. And so we sat there, and right before I prayed, he said, oh my gosh, I have been wanting someone to pray for my situation for weeks now, and I just didn't know who to turn to. And so we prayed right there in that moment. I remember driving home going like, okay, God, I, I hear you. And my delayed obedience, I usually miss those opportunities. And I think about those moments, and I think, I wonder if that story would have been different if I hadn't obeyed the moment of prompting. You have no idea what God might do through one moment of obedience. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to read his word, and I hope that you do. Or are you going to be prompted by his spirit to say something, to give something, to do something? He might prompt you to confess a sin. He might prompt you to forgive someone. He might prompt you to tell somebody that you're sorry. He might prompt you to, to witness to someone, to talk to someone about your faith. He might prompt you to invite someone to church. He might prompt you to live in such a way that people will want to spend time with you and want to come to church with you. And you'll have a choice in that moment of what to do to obey or not to obey, to delay or to obey immediately, even if you don't understand completely. Because life, when it comes down to it, is not measured by years or months or weeks or days. It's measured in moments. And you have no idea what God might do in you and you have no idea what God might do through you in one moment of obedience. Let's pray as we close. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around whether you're here in person or you're watching online. First, I just want to ask a question. 
Are you here today and you're just struggling with some area of obedience in your life where you know God is calling you to do something big or small and you're just delaying it or you're just saying no and you're just struggling with this obedience concept right now in, in one area of your life. If that's you right now and you would say, Zach, that's me. Can you pray for me right now? Would you just lift your hand up right now? Just lift your hand up. See, that's me. I'm walking through a season where I'm struggling with something. Awesome. God, I thank you for every person that was courageous enough to lift their hand. God, I pray uh, whatever it is that we're all walking through, God, that we are just struggling with just trusting you with that area of our life. God, that we would take a step this week to just trust you. To say, God, we don't have to know all the details. We don't have to know what's next. We're just gonna take this next right step, God, because we know you're asking us to do that. Give us the courage to do that this week. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and just a spirit of prayer right now. Maybe you're here today and your step of obedience today is actually saying, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God. And I'm really just living my life for myself and I'm actually feeling kind of empty and I'm feeling kind of hopeless and at my job or my relations to everything else, I'm not, I'm not really finding what I need in those things. And I would encourage you to say, that's because you won't find them there. You'll find them through a relationship with your creator, God. It says in Romans 5, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that God knows all of my sin, all of my mistakes from the past and the present. And in spite of all of that, he loves all of us unconditionally. There is no human being that can know all the things about you and love you with that kind of love. It takes it one step further. He says he wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. So if you're here today and you would say, Zach, that's me, I need that in my life. I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of living for the world. I wanna start living for Jesus. I wanna ask Christ to come into my heart today. If that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed, just lift your hand up right now and say, that's me. I need to pray that prayer today. I wanna ask Christ to come into my life. So see your hand in the back, that's awesome. I see your hand over there as well. Anybody else that say, that's me, just lift it up, be brave. Awesome. Anybody else? I see your hand. Very cool. Just going to put your hands down. I'm going to say a prayer right now, and this is just you, whether you raised your hand or not, but you know you need to do this. This is just you connecting your heart to the very heart of God. Say something like this in your own words. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son, Jesus, and that he died on the cross for my sins and that he beat death and rose again. I'm tired of living for me. I wanna start living for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can we just give a round of applause in that decision today? <laughs> Guys, I want to encourage you. Uh, there's obedience happening today at both services. We had nine people accept Christ at the 930, but several more at this hour. God is moving, and it's really cool to see. 
I want to encourage you, if that was you, whether you raise your hand or not, but you know that's what you need in your life, we want to, we want you to take a next step. There's a card in the seat backs in front of you. It just says life is complicated. We know a guy, his name is Jesus. You can fill out that card. It's just your name, phone, and email. You can take that card if you're here in person and go out to the Welcome Center and trade that card in. And we're going to give you a free gift from us. It's a book. It's called The Decision. It's got some great next steps for you to take. It's got the book of John, the Gospel of John in here as well. If you're watching online, go to Lexi.info. Click on I Prayed, and we'll make sure you have some next steps to take there as well. But man, uh, excited to see what God does with those decisions in your life. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.